You are listening to Stand Out on LinkedIn, indispensable truths, tools, and tips, a show designed specifically to help you stand out. This podcast is for everyone looking to maximize their brand, network, career, and business initiatives, meaning finding a job, hiring, selling, and marketing. That pretty much includes most people. My team at Intero will be sharing their expertise and insight to get you one step closer to gaining traction and being a standout on LinkedIn. My team spends hours each day on LinkedIn, assisting companies in developing their brand, finding new talent for job openings, and even creating content to help professionals establish their credibility. The information they share on this podcast reflects what they see and do each day. If you're looking to stand out on LinkedIn, then you've come to the right place. Listen and receive actionable takeaways that you can utilize on LinkedIn to achieve your business and career goals. Welcome to another episode of Stand Out on LinkedIn, brought to you by Intero Advisory, the leader in LinkedIn sales, branding, and recruiting enablement. Today, we got a great episode, very pertinent to what's going on right now around the great resignation. I'm sure if you you read the Morning Brew, Wall Street Journal, Google anything around job searching or, or turnover right now within companies, you're seeing a phrase that was coined back, I believe, in 2019 and the, the beginning of 2020 around an ex- expectation of what some are calling up to 50% of people switching jobs in 2021. So have Liza here from our team. She recruits on a ton of different positions right now. She's working on probably five or six recruiting projects for us. So just wanted to get her thoughts around um, how profiles should be set up if you are considering a career change, um, both for passive and active opportunities, and then just what recruiters look for in the profile. Um, So just having a a fresh take on that. And then um, we'll see how the discussion goes from there. But before we start, uh, Liza had a pretty cool thing happen on Sunday. She's looking at me like, I don't know what you're about to say, but uh, Justin Thomas, for any golf fans out there, gave uh, gave Liza a, a nice little wave. You want to tell the podcast listeners about that real fast, Liza? Yeah. So we were at the BMW Championship in Baltimore at Caves Valley, and I was watching Justin Thomas tee off. And when he was walking to his ball, I said, nice work, JT. I got a nice little smile and a wave. Definitely the highlight of my uh, my entire first PGA tournament experience. If you guys could see Liza's face right now, it is fire truck red. And it was that way um, on Sunday as well. But that was, that was pretty cool and definitely a pretty <laughs> cool experience. And hopefully PGA Tour comes back to Baltimore soon. Yeah, really? So jumping into it, Liza, looking at, I guess, let's just start with the, the open to work button, the, the open to new opportunities button. There's a lot of, I would say hesitation around people using that button. They're worried about their current employer finding out about that button. What what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I definitely think that the open to work and open to new opportunities is really important. Obviously, you can keep the banner off that you're like looking for a job, especially if you already have a job, but it allows recruiters um, to really see what position you're looking for. So instead of being spammed about a position that you wouldn't even be interested in. Um, It really allows you to tell people exactly what you're looking for, where you're looking for it. Um, There's like an option to put where you're commuting from, if you want remote work. 
um, and how, like if you're actively looking or if you're just casually looking. So I definitely think it's a really important feature to not just turn on, but really go through the filters that LinkedIn provides and kind of fill out exactly what you're looking for. That's a, that's a great point. Cause I think when, for the majority of people, when they think about that button, it's just, okay, I want to sig- signal to recruiters to reach out to me. But as you know, and, and a lot of people in the, the podcast, listening to the podcast might know is just because you don't have that on recruiters are still going to reach out to you if you have the right keywords and things in your profile. But what you just touched on is how it can direct a recruiter or someone in HR to understand where you see your progression going in your career or location-based. That's huge. Uh, it, it's right there, easy for those recruiters to see and make sure you get relevant opportunities. So that's an awesome point there. I think too, with the location piece being super important because as a recruiter and people who recruit on projects, if you're using a third party, like we do projects all over the country. So personally, I have no idea how far, and obviously I can use Google maps, but I don't necessarily know where you live exactly. So as a recruiter, and when you're just reaching out, I mean, I've gotten tons of responses, like that's actually a bit too far. Um, but some people are fine with the commute. So really putting in there like exactly how far you're either willing to drive or at least, you know, more than just the most the, or the closest metro area to you. Um, because so many people will put like Baltimore area and realistically they're all the way out in Bel Air. And that doesn't really help if you're looking for a position all the way in Baltimore city. So I think the location piece is definitely huge as third-party recruiters are generally working on projects across the country. Yeah. And uh, Liza, you're the directional expert, right? You know, um, directions like the back of your hand. Yeah. Yep. My, my uh, geographical sense is, is always a hundred. <laughs> now that's a good point. Cause yesterday um, driving around DC, I, I made a comment to Sydney. I was like, "This, uh, if someone's looking for a job and they're in Northern Virginia and they're just trying to get Silver Spring, uh, that commute can be pretty brutal. So that, but someone on LinkedIn, and we were actually talking about it in the LinkedIn sense, would just put DC Metro. Um, but the DC Metro is brutal at 4, 4.30, 5 o'clock every day. Um, so if it's not, if you're going all the way around, um, you're in for a, a pretty long commute and outside of a 45 minute commute, you, you see a, a pretty jump, a pretty large jump there in attrition. So that's, that's important for sure. So other than the open to work button, say I'm hypothetically, I'm a, a project manager right now at bg e in Baltimore. I don't want to let bg e know that I'm looking for a job, um, but I do want to turn that open to work button on. How do I know that my, I guess, my employer is not going to realize that I'm actively looking for an opportunity. Yeah. So the open to work button, um, again, as long as you make sure that like the banner is not on your profile, the way that LinkedIn has the open to work button set up is that if anybody who works at your company won't be able to see that you have that on. So you would be good to have it on, put your um, preferences on the open to work section and nobody who works for BGE would be able to see that because you actively are working there. You have to keep it that you're actively working there um, and then nobody would be able to see it. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a great point. Uh, it's definitely not a hundred percent. So there always is a little risk, but so is the risk of taking off to go interview. And I think also you're, you're assuming that people who you work with daily are like checking out your LinkedIn profile. It's not like it alerts 
you know, your timeline, like Liza Slavin is now open to work. So like, you're also assuming that people at your company are actively looking at your profile. And for us, we do look at each other's profile because we'll use it in a call or whatnot. But if you're in a position where the chances of somebody at your company opening up your profile are like zero to none, you would have really no problem. Yeah, I I completely agree. Now, with that button, it's not a a be-all, end-all. It is very helpful to direct recruiters. Um, Our belief is... You should always, your, your LinkedIn profile should be living and breathing. You should always be updating it, um, keeping it as current as possible because you never know when that opportunity is going to come. Um, and that's not saying that everybody should leave um, their jobs immediately. I saw an interesting post today on LinkedIn around a recruiter was kind of vending that a company had reached out to her about stop, they call it poaching their people. And her response basically was in her post that, well, poaching it's not poaching the people if the people actively want to leave because you're not creating an environment that works for them. Some companies are just going to have that natural attrition just from the positions and not being able to um, provide everybody the growth trajectory they want within the organization. But there's a lot of companies that they don't, for better or worse, to be candid, they don't really practice what they preach when they say they care about their people. And they get really upset when people are poaching their people, but people are only leaving jobs because they don't feel confident in where they're currently, where they currently are, or it's not a great fit for them. So looking at, so when you're looking at anybody on LinkedIn, let's just say we're doing a, not to give a specific parameters, but you're doing a LinkedIn search. Is there any group of people that you don't focus on? Do you not look at the, the people that don't have open to work on right away? No, I pretty much look at everybody because that open to work button, again, it's probably only about 20 I don't actually know the exact percentage, but probably only about 20%. I looked in my profile, it's about 15%. Yeah, it doesn't say 20. So 15 to 20% probably have the open to work for people who are actually looking for new jobs. Um, and so many people also just don't even know about the future. So I, I look at everybody. I generally might start with the open to work, but I ultimately end up looking pretty wide search. I don't think that and you know, to me, if you have the open to work on, but literally all it says is this person is looking for a new job and you don't have any of the filters, it, to me, it's kind of the same as not even having it on because I don't actually know what you're looking for. Yeah, that's a good point. How uh, important do you think headlines are when you're searching for people? Very important. I think that the, and this kind of goes for what you said about keeping your profile updated. Anywhere that you can put in keywords, things that you've worked on that are pretty specific to your field, like any type of, I don't know, proposal writing, if you're an executive assistant and you're looking for a new job, like that's something that I would put in the keywords if my client said that that's what they're looking for in the job description. So really anything keywords related, but definitely headlines, because I'll look at headlines, especially in like recruiter and sales navigator. That's like really the first thing that you see. Yeah. Very, very important. I'm glad that that's something you look at right away. And if you just have the generic headline, definitely something if you're actively looking, you might want to take a look at is is putting something uh, a little bit more unique there to have yourself stand out Mm -hmm. uh, from that perspective. And if someone has never seen what a recruiter or sales navigator view looks like at the profile, quick Google, you can find some screenshots and that's a good way to, to reverse engineer how you set up your profile because they stack rank certain things a little bit differently. Liza, what, what would you say is the next place you look um, outside of querying the keywords, querying the, the certain roles um, or competitors in an area? 
um, to pull from and reading the headline? What's the next place you look in a profile? So once I've gotten the kind of the quick view, I, if I'm interested in that person, I'll open it up a little bit more. I personally always read the about section, kind of see what they've got going on in their summary. And then I'll look at um, their current experience, past experience. I think that that also gives you a good sign if they've had, you know, obviously more than one or two jobs, kind of their progression through their career. So then I'll be less likely to reach out in a position that might be kind of a backward step for them. So I think looking at their past couple of positions, I always check out the company, especially if it's a very specific position where they really need to have knowledge in the field already. So about section and experience section are really the next two places I do a deep dive. And when you're searching just in general, how many profiles do you normally look at, not reach out to, but look at before you are done, uh, let's just say an average search? So if I am looking, let's say I, I, just for numbers sake, if I end up saving 30 profiles to give to the client to look at, I probably looked at 60 to 90 profiles. 60 to 90 for, so about one third. Of every profile gets saved. Okay. And that's with a a pretty hard drill down as far as how you queried the database just to begin with. Mm -hmm, Exactly. And that's really, if it's more like we're looking for very quality candidates, not doing a wide passive search. Yeah. And that's, I mean, when you're, the way we approach it just as a methodology, we, we do get pretty narrow with it. So if you're, and this isn't how all recruiters recruit, we, we approach it the way we think is best. But if you're looking at your profile and you're not, you wouldn't return high up in a bunch of searches around the types of jobs that you're looking for, recruiters aren't going to find you. Uh, they're just not. You may get lucky. You may get a call. You may apply to a job and get lucky. But if you're trying to have a recruiter work on your behalf, either partner with them or make sure that they can find you easily um, with how you return. So Liza, anything else? Uh, obviously with this great resignation, it's going to be more competitive um, potentially for uh, candidates if there's that many people looking at jobs or it could not be as competitive. It, it, it's kind of fleshing itself out right now. But if it if it does get very competitive in the job market, what do you see as, from a LinkedIn standpoint, something that a candidate can do easily and quickly? Let's take after the blog I wrote this week, a minimum effective dose to do to your profile today to just help yourself stand out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I think that spending like an hour just updating, like making sure that your position is up to date, your it's your, has your current title. Um, there'll be so many times where somebody's moved up in the company and they don't even update to their current position. So current position, what you're doing there. So that way, again, you're, you're popping up with keywords and then putting together some type of about section um, I think are really the three big pieces that I would look for. The other thing that you can do is kind of build out a little featured section, which might not be the first thing to do, but you can add your resume, your most updated resume directly as part of your featured section. Um, and you can have it on there. And to me, like, I don't think that that's a huge, like, Hey, this person's looking for a job. So I wouldn't even be worried. You could say you've had it on there for a while, but that allows a recruiter or a potential CEO who wants to find you, they already have seen your resume. So if they're reaching out, they've already taken that. They don't even have to ask for like the cover letter resume situation. It's they've already seen it, which is one extra step of being interested in you. Great point. And just kind of to, to wrap up on, on these thoughts is we're not saying that if you want to potentially leave or you're considering leaving your company, that doing all this stuff just to, to make sure you can leave doesn't 
benefit your company and you wouldn't want to stay there long term. So when you're updating your profile, it is benefiting your company because you're staying fresher in LinkedIn, but also from a, if you have the right keywords in there, you're helping your company's SEO overall, just from a um, staying top of mind and standing out. So the more profiles that are done correctly or keyworded the right way are going to benefit your company um, when people are just searching Google or Bing or um, any other search engine out there. I just saw a commercial for DuckDuckGo the other day on the, the TV for the first time. So any of those search engines um, definitely want to make sure your company's returning higher. All right, Liza, that's, uh, I think we, we've covered enough just to give uh, a good primer for people as far as if they are considering moving what they should do to their profile. I'm not going to let you use that one you just did as a tip. So I need a truth, a tool, and a tip for all the listeners. Yep. I see your face. Fresh one. (laughs) Okay. A truth is your headline follows you around LinkedIn. So spend 30 minutes and make a really good one. Awesome. I love that. And a tool I'm going to go with, and this isn't really like a tool tool, but I'm going to go with it engaging with people's content and looking at people's company pages before you apply for a job. That is a tool because it, it, it gives you a ton of analytics, especially if you have premium, which would be a tool to be able to see insights around the company, tenure, things like that. So that definitely counts. So you gave it truth, which was kind of a, a tip. I also gave a tool that was kind of a tip, but here's my actual tip, I guess. Let me think. I feel like I, I gave a lot of uh, tips earlier in this episode. I should have yeah, seen. I'll, I'll let you off the hook. That's that's it. We're good there. All right. So in lieu of that, then you have to let me know who I should put money on this weekend for the tour championship. Oh, I'm going John Rom. John Rom, be a goldfish. I, I did see that he's like 22% most likely to win or something over Bryson and Patrick Cantlay. So, well, if he's a goldfish, he uh, forget what he did last week, even though he played pretty well because he always does. And uh, let's see if he uh, he does it. All right. You heard it here. If he wins, Liza called it. <laughs> Thursday before. I don't even know. I haven't checked the scores. They actually teed off earlier. So thank you guys for uh, humoring me when I, I talk about the golf. But uh, Liza, great tips, um, good stuff. And anything else you want to add before we let everybody get back to whatever they were doing? I think that's it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks. Bye. Connect with us on LinkedIn, get to know us there, and on our website, interoadvisory.com. We have lots of valuable content and inside our membership site and even more beyond that. Thanks for listening. We appreciate a shout out on your preferred channel, a review, or a comment on what you'd like to hear us discuss. You can listen in on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and other channels. Check out our tutorials on our YouTube channel too. Until next time, thanks for joining.